Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, and I have a great guest with me, Dr. Jennifer Baez, the elementary school principal at Pepper Hill Elementary. She was formerly a special projects coordinator for capital programs in Charleston County School District, and she's got a plethora of experience that I'm excited to bring with her or to have our conversation with today, and her energy is amazing. I can already feel it. This is gonna be a great episode and we're excited to get into it. But before we do, I wanna give a big shout out to our new podcast network, the Teach Better Podcast Network. I'm really excited for Jeff and Ray and what they've been doing with the Teach Better team, and just so excited to be a part of the Teach Better team and podcast network. And in addition to that, I do want to let you know to go to seleducators.com for your adult social emotional learning needs. We've got five courses available now, four of which are free, and they're all focused on developing your adult social and emotional skills so that you can be a better model for your students. But without further ado, Dr. Baez, how art thou today? I'm well, thank you for asking. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So it's, it's been a, a long time coming, um, right up here, pushing back to school, plans are ready to roll. It's time to get in here and do the work. How are you feeling about everything, getting back to school after quarantine and, and multiple pandemics? Well, I'm definitely very excited about um, being back in the building. Um, being at home was very hard when you're 18 years on a campus. Mm -hmm. Sitting at home for three months doing Zoom meetings is definitely hard um, and you get kind of antsy. So I'm definitely glad that I'm back walking the building, seeing teachers mm -hmm. and just, you know, being back in the element of what it is to educate kids. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. I, I actually had a training um, this morning with a, a STEM charter school and it just felt good to see people. It was weird wearing the mask, but, you know, we make it work. We make it work and, and do what right. we do. What, what have been, um, you know, again, by the time this episode comes out, school will have already started, but what has been some of the main priorities that you focused on for your um, students? You've got a lot of grade levels, CD through five. Um, what, what has been some of your main priorities while you're figuring out how we're coming back to school? I, I think that the main one has definitely been communication. Hmm. Um, as we've, we've had to live in ambiguity for so many months. And in order to just get people to be able to survive the unknown, you have to be able to uh, make sure that you're communicating with people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while we were at home with the pandemic, I still, you know, communicated with my teachers, my weekly newsletter. I still did my parent call outs. We still communicated, um, communicated with parents through Facebook, Class JoJo, and just making sure that they knew hey, we're still here, we're working on things, this is where we're at right now, but we're still here for you if you have any questions, you know? Mm -hmm. And so making sure that I made myself available to all the stakeholders in the area whenever they had questions about what was coming up and what was happening. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think that's, that's of the utmost important. I think, you know, communication is, is kind of being redefined along with our entire industry because you, you know, you only think about the main mediums of, um, of communication or your regular, like you said, the regular scheduled things, but there's just, there's multiple ways to connect. And I, I think the CDC, shortly after we started talking about social distancing, they came out and said that it was more physical distancing than social, because we still have to have that social contact and interaction, but social distancing 
um, just stuck. So um, I, I think that communication is is good piece. Do you think there's anything coming into the school year? Is there any strategies that you guys are changing or upgrading um, to your communication systems and accountability, I guess? Um, I, I think, you know, for, for, I can only really speak for myself. I know, you know, that my school district has done really a good job sure that they're meeting weekly with all the principals and that they're keeping us up to date with the information that they have. But I think for me, communication has been a little bit different because I, I have a really great connection with my teachers. So yeah. during the months that we were at home, I was having one-on-one -on -one, um, Zoom meetings with my teachers, you know, checking in. So every single month, I made sure everyone was on my calendar. And even if it was 20 to 30 minutes, we were doing, like you said, that social interaction. We still needed that human component. Um, and I was just checking in on my teachers, you know, whether, you know, I know some of them, you know, maybe their spouses got laid off or, you know, they had a loved one that got COVID. Um, just making sure that we were still doing that face-to-face -face interaction, even though it was via Zoom. Yeah. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, um, one of the hardest things for communication has been when you work in a lower socioeconomic population is, you know, they change the phone number so you can't mm -hmm. reach the parents or some of them don't have email addresses to email them. Yeah. So the school district really did a great initiative in having the schools really reach out to parents and say, hey, we really need you to have email addresses. And so we set up ways to teach parents how to create email addresses. We had people on the phone walking them through. We did videos. Mm -hmm. And that way they could get email correspondence. They could get report cards. They could get surveys. And, you know, we just really had to think of what are some other extra steps that we had to take to ensure we were connected that usually during the school year, we, we don't think about. You, you don't have time to think about them. I mean, there's too much uh, fires to put out and things like that, but you're, you're absolutely right. You know, even from the emergency contact card that's filled out at the beginning of the year, by the time you get to Q2, the phone's disconnected or-, or That's right. Making the change for whatever reason. When you think about your school district, um, and, and you may not have this number on the top of your head, so that's okay, but what percent of the students would you say did not have the communication platforms necessary for you to get all of your messages across? I think uh, the last numbers that I saw, um, we sent out a parent survey to see mm -hmm. how parents wanted to come back to school. Um, we were offering th three options, in-person, remote learning, and virtual. Mm -hmm. And at the last board meeting, I believe it was only about 40% of our parents answered the survey. Okay. Okay. You know, so some of that had to do with our emails were going to spam. Mm -hmm. So parents didn't know to check spam. Mm -hmm. And then others were, you know, they didn't check it, do it, they didn't know, you know. So I think there's still room for improvement on our end. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like the school also needs to be able to take that initiative because that's who the parents are used to hearing from, yeah. right? They're used to hearing from from me, from the teachers, not necessarily the school district. So yep. I know at our school, we took that above and beyond and we called all of our parents and I did, you know, call out saying, hey, you're getting the survey. If you don't have it, it's on Facebook, mm -hmm. you know, just over communicate. 
until you 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 know you don't get any more phone calls with questions. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. I mean, so you've been at Pepper Hill Elementary for two years and some change now. Um, is that a culture that you brought with you, or is that something that is is that how the district and the school kind of already runs? Because I mean, that that's highly engaging for you to call your teachers on a monthly basis and to make sure the parents are doing this. I mean, that's that's high touch stuff right there. And every school doesn't do that. No, and honestly, um, when the other schools that when I was principal at other schools, I didn't do that. Hmm. I actually learned that when I went to the district office and I worked in facilities. Okay. So I did three years under capital programs and facilities, and that was something that so f- facilities, at least in my school district, is a lot of ex-military. Really. Um, personnel who work there. Yeah, a lot of them are retired Air Force, um, Army, they're engineers, you know, and so it's kind of nice because you, I really was able to Mm. learn how to do standard operating procedures, um, how to create extremely efficient procedures, and that's just a standard military practice is you do one-on-ones with your supervisor and you set goals and then you do your review. So I picked up a lot of skills um, from that time that I spent in facilities. I also took a project course okay, just to help me in my new role um, in capital. And so those skills, I have definitely found ways to take them and then implement them on a campus. So now I run my school like a project manager Hmm. versus in my other schools, I ran it like a regular principal. And, and I feel like running the school as a project manager, it's much more productive because you get more done. You build it's easier to build capacity in people. Mm-hmm. You, you are able to really see the strengths of people and encourage them into leadership roles. And it's easier to build teams. Wow. You know, the, the, I think the traditional role of the principal is going to have to keep changing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not going back to, there's not going to be a going backwards to school. Like, Correct. Not going back to what it was. It's no. Forward. Um, I've never heard that before and from a project management standpoint. And I'm curious, can we dig in there a little bit more? Absolutely. And so after that role, and that was your role previous, you were with the special projects prior to your current role, correct? Correct, yes. So at what point in that process was it, when, when you were taking on your principalship, what was your first step? Like what was the first procedure, so what did you do first to start to integrate and implement this kind of culture? So the the first thing they did, um, which I thought was really well done, is um, when they came and presented me to the staff as the new principal, they brought me in with um, someone from the district who had a really strong connection to the school and they knew her. You know, so first of all, they, were, they, they came with a familiar face. So that, that was a good strategy. But what I did is kind of, you know, talked to the staff because I knew their data. You know, I didn't know them, but I knew their data. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I talked to them and I said, you know, I, 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 I have studied your data. I know your data. And there's definitely areas where, you know, we're going to have to make some changes. And so I just kind of let them know kind of what my philosophy for making those changes were. Mm -hmm. And 
basically it came down to, you know, we're going to make decisions together, but at the same time, you know, as the principal, if we do something right, I get the credit. If we do something wrong, I get the fault of it, you know? And so there will be decisions that I will have to make, but will be as collaborative as absolutely possible because they're the ones in the class to work. Yeah. You know, um, but, but definitely the first couple of things that we had to do was really work on reestablishing the standard of what it means to be a teacher mm-hmm. and an educator. And not that we didn't have teachers who were professional, but because we did and we do. But I just came from, you know, a well-oiled machine of a department to a school, you know, that unfortunately, you know, it wasn't scoring and it wasn't performing at what I think they can. Mm -hmm. They're not achieving at the levels that I think they were capable. And so that starts with your teachers, right? And so we had to talk about dress code. We had to talk Mm -hmm. about attendance. We had to talk about what does it look like to be a professional in this setting. And then once we established what those expectations were, then we worked through different things. You know, I redid completely the the staff handbook, you know, and we established procedures that I feel like if they remove me today or they move me to another school, these things can still continue without me. Because I I think in the past, we've had such dynamic principals who led with their personalities Mm. that when they left or retired or got moved to another school, the school went down in achievement. And so I never want to do that. I want to create a system that if I'm gone, that it will continue to thrive without me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so you have to teach people that that's what you're about. Yeah. And they have to fill you out and you have to be consistent with your expectations and what you do and be consistent with the procedures that you put in place. But also, if something doesn't work, you have to be able to own it and say, Mm. okay, I put this procedure in. It didn't work, guys. I'm hearing you. What will work? Let's fix it. And have that mentality, you know, that you're also part of the team and that you can make mistakes as a principal, Mm -hmm. but you're there to learn and fix it along with the staff. Yeah, that 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 just makes me so happy. I think that's really that's a really cool perspective, I think, to bring into a culture. I think what I like most about it is you're you're really putting the person first and, and, and professionalizing the industry. I think Ron Clark was the first person that I said that I heard say that we don't treat our teachers or our school districts as professionals. You know, it's more of a casual, it's more of a secondary type of thing. Like, no, we're pros. Like this is, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. And one of our recent coaches will will talk about how, you know, how does every other industry have a coach besides teaching? Um, Exactly. And it's coming up more now, but I think that that piece right there, dress code, attendance, professionalism, that, mm-hmm. that just changes the whole way that you feel. Um, going back to a football reference, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say also one piece I, I didn't mention was customer service. Mm. That's huge. Our product, our student, you know, there are products. So, you know, we need the parents to be in here helping us with yeah. the education, you know. And so if they're having negative experiences when they go to the school, you know, just like if you go to a store, and they don't treat you well when you're shopping, you're not going to go back to that store. 
-hmm. You know, you're going to find another store that treats you and values you as a customer. And it's the same thing. And so uh, when we selected my assistant principal, she used to be a PE teacher here. So having me come in new, but having a partner who the parents already knew also helped to mend those relationships, to build relationships and to bring confidence back to the school. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I have to thank my supervisor for that because she she had that vision. She said, mm-hmm. I think this is the right person for you as an assistant principal. And I met her, fell in love with her. She's amazing. We're a great team. But um, that was so important um, when it comes to building community. And when yeah. it comes to, I don't know how you went to school, but when I went to school, my teachers wore suits. Oh, really? My teachers wore pantyhose and um and heels and my male teachers wore suits you know and now we see teachers in leggings and in tight shirts and things like that so my staff does laugh at me because I am a stickler about dress code Mm -hmm. but it's because I want the parents and everyone to see them as a professional and I know what it feels like to be 22 and look super young (laughs) <laughs> and not be taken seriously but if you dress the part and you you show the confidence of the part the parents will give you the respect of the part understood understood i, I mean that that makes sense um Deion sanders uh, a hall of fame football player you look good feel good feel good play good play uh, boys i'm from texas dallas yes All right. <laughs> there you go i mean I, what i'm hearing too is that you've got a really strong district supporting you as well from the way they um, from the department you were in before with Charleston County Schools and in the way that they even onboarded and supported you through this process, I think is amazing. So I think, you know, for myself, um, still relatively new in education. I've been um, in the industry five years. And for me growing up, that that was not the case. Um, I didn't know oh. wearing, you know, suits and, and, and pantyhose and things. It was pretty casual. Um, oh. in school. And, Where did and you grow up? In Indiana, Northern Indiana. Oh, uh, okay. South Bend, South Bend. Okay. Um, and it was casual, and I'm okay with that. I'm a pretty casual guy myself. But I think what we lose sight of, too, is how you're talking about these procedures and putting them together. So one thing I did think is like, or took for granted, rather, is how many procedures and structures and rules are already in place for a school, and they just never get touched. I think, um, as a matter of fact, my, my home school district from when I was growing up in South Bend schools, their handbook hadn't been updated since the 80s and, and wow. just doing a full revamp to make mm-hmm. their um, handbook more restorative or the discipline model hasn't been updated since the 80s and things mm-hmm. so that that piece right there updating those procedures and being able to follow those because i'm what i'm learning about teachers too we're often very visual thinkers very process oriented and we need that visual to be able to say here's the standard here's what i need to follow and take mm-hmm. step by step can we go a little deeper into um, the procedure creating process? So sure. I myself, I'm again, I'm working, being a student at, uh, shout out to PD, Math, Science, and Technology Academy. We're in year eight. So we're still building. We're not even done growing yet. We have K-11. Next year, we'll have 12th grade. So we're, we're in, after 12th grade, we'll probably go down to pre-K. Um, so we're still growing. And so these procedures just keep coming up. Every year, we have new procedures we've got an early college program this year a new s it's just a lot how do you go about (laughs) creating these procedures and documents in a collaborative way um Mm -hmm. maintain that standard and then have the buy-in as well Uh, well i think 
there, there's two things you have to separate, right? So you have to separate is, are you going into a situation that already exists or are you creating mm. a new situation? Because I've done that. I've, I helped merge two failing middle schools and we had to create every single procedure from scratch. Wow. But at this school, I was following a principal who had been here 14 years, okay. you know? So the first there was a couple of things immediately I knew I wanted to change procedure wise, which really was more about the professionalism and the standard, mm -hmm. right? I wanted that to know that I had high expectations, but then the first month you kind of really just have to see how everything runs and what's not broke doesn't need to be fixed. Right? So they, ha we had a fantastic procedure for buses, for car rider line, for, you know, how we manage the hallways during transitions, you know, so if those things are working, don't touch them, right? Mm -hmm. But the pieces here that were really the ones that were lacking were the communication pieces. Right. That's where the area that we were the weakest. And then culturally establishing a cohesive staff. Mm -hmm. um, the last three years, there had been very high teacher turnover. So every year they were starting again and starting again and starting again. And that's very hard. You can't gain momentum when you have 14 or 50 new staff members every year. Mm -hmm. So when I look about creating a procedure, so I'll give you an example right now. Um, we're going to have something called a leap week. Yeah. That I don't know if you guys are doing that yeah, too. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Okay, the whole state's doing it. So we're having the leap week and our district wants us to take advantage of that leap week and test students, right? So first of all, I have a leadership team. So it's myself, my assistant principal, my literacy coach, my instructional coach, and my special ed chair. Okay, and then we have our parent liaison and then our student concern specialist. That's my leadership team. And then they bring a about you know a different perspective to every single problem and so we talk about okay so what's our objective and that's where it kind of like the project management comes in is like okay this is a and in the individual project it's separate from what we're doing regularly at the school right and our objective is to test as many students as we possibly can so now let's talk about logistics how do we do that safely when we have all the regulations for covid masks and safety that's the first step so you go through the logistical part then you go academics then you go behavior you know someone said well we don't want a kid to show up we haven't seen them since march and say oh hey go to this room and take a test mm -hmm. you know so we have to stop and say hey what are we going to do to welcome our kids back you know and say hey we're so happy that you're here you know, we love you. We're excited. We want you to do good on this test so we know what to teach you. And that's where that social and emotional part comes in, right? So um, the first step to creating great procedures is to have a great team. Mm. Mm. That, that's the first thing, right? And so I've been blessed that I've been, I've had talented people on this campus that I saw what their strengths were. And we've been able to create a team where we know what our strengths and our weaknesses are. You know, I, I can say, hey, I'm not good with the mushy stuff. That's, you know, so-and-so's area. You're in charge of making sure that our, you have a plan for when our kids come back, they feel loved and they feel welcomed, right? Mine is the logistics. Okay. 
Okay. You know, mine's like, no, they're coming in through this door. They're doing this. Yeah. This is how we're do giving them the devices. That's my strength, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the component that I lead. And that's different because most principals don't think that way. And I never thought yeah. that way until I was in facilities. Wow. You know, I just saw it back in the day. I thought, okay, I have to do all of this. I have to mm -hmm. do all of that. There's no reason I have to do all of it. We have okay. really smart people on campus and we're better and we come up with better ideas. We're innovative because we have all these different perspectives yeah. solving a problem. I love that so much. I think there's, there's strength and humility in um, everything you just said there. And there's, if I can reference it, another book by Brene Brown, because that's kind of a moment of vulnerability, you know, as the principal, as the leader, a lot of times folks just don't want to be caught without an answer. But your your opportunity to present yourself and open up and be vulnerable, honest and real, and even invite people into your circle to see that vulnerability sometimes can feel like a weakness, but others will see it as strength um, and as, yes. as an opportunity for growth. And you, you actually give me, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say transparency, you know, um, I encourage all my teachers to watch the board meetings, you know, I give them notes on what my principal meetings were about, you know, a lot of principals don't do that, you know, and, and I do that because, you know, they have, they, they need to know that what my role as a principal is, I have limitations, mm. you know, there are decisions that I cannot change. You know, so for example, we had a reading initiative last year that the teachers weren't very happy about. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was being told from the district that I'm to assure that the teachers completed this initiative. And so I brought in district people and they explained it and they, and they understood this, like Dr. Baez, we understand that you're not the one forcing this. You're the one that has to make sure that mm -hmm. we do it, you know? So then when you have that transparency, yeah, it's so much easier to lead because they know it's not you being mean. It's yeah. not you, you know, picking on them and say, hey, my job is to hold you accountable to yeah. this. But let's find a way how we can do it together. Yeah. And you can't the, the, nobody can throw a wrench in that. If I'm giving you all the information, you know, you may have one person that said, man, you hear Dr. Bob, you hear why she got us doing that. And another teacher, man, I can't stand Dr. Bob. But so the, right. the, it's a uniform message now as well. Um, to go along with it. So I'm that that's just really exciting. So from the procedure standpoint, I'm taking a lot of notes myself. Um, you said objective, logistics, academics, behaviors, and then you kind of fill in the blanks from there. Well, yeah, the special needs, you know, you have to take that into consideration, mm -hmm. kids who have IEPs, you know, and if we're testing them, you know, so all your special populations, your ESOLs, all of that, you know, um, mm -hmm. you have to have a representative of everything that's on your campus, because yeah. if not, you're going to miss it, something. Yeah. So I, I think I've, I, I mean, that's just great. And I think confirmation as well, because so as a consultant, I, again, my first two years, I was working at a school, I was actually a residence life coordinator. Um, so I lived on a campus with 11th and 12th grade students and then transitioned and it, it, it was quite the experience. There was, I was a high school principal, so I know. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so with them, I mean, just some of the things we found. Quick story. I'm going to tell a quick story because I think it's kind of funny and I'll get back on task. I had to do room checks for my students. And, and one time, it was about 10 o'clock, you do the room check. One of the students was in the shower and they were moving some stuff around. I told them not to. I went back to my room, looked on Snapchat. 
And while I was checking the rooms, one of the boys was in the shower. They turned the shower on. They moved the extra bed. You're supposed to have two beds in a the room. They moved the third bed into the room. And they had moved it back like I told them to. So they hid the bed. They moved the whole entire bed frame into the shower and turned it off so I wouldn't check. And so <laughs> it's funny. And it was funny then, too. But I was like, man, you guys are so, so interesting. But you, you mm-hmm. got your own self-card. You added me on Snapchat and then posted there. But that's, yep. that's besides the point. Uh, the point was I was used to working with a team, started consulting, and it was more on the individual side. I'm not really a member of this organization, but I'm offering my solutions. And so um, last year and this year, I've been in the SEL director role and now dean of students. And so last year, I kind of did what you mentioned. I tried to eat the whole SEL cake by myself and, and run the whole program, go through all the rubrics. And it works to a piece, but the buy-in wasn't there like it needed to be. And, and other, it was just different than the work as a consultant, helping the teams go through it. So this year, we do have a team and we condensed. We had 24 committees last year. And so we condensed oh. those to six. Um, yeah, so that's a lot. <laughs> were, were overlapping. And so just even working with the SEL team, now they're helping me put together in-service. They're helping me think through our roadmap. And it, it's just so much pressure off of myself. And I can feel good knowing that our entire school community, or at least right now, is just our, our teaching staff is on board. But we do plan to expand to um, the rest of our school community because it's just so important for them to be involved. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that piece as well about inviting people from the entire community and not just staff members too. And it's a process. I'm not going to tell you that it was easy because it wasn't. You know, in the beginning, I, I, was, I had to be serious and I had to be tough, right? Hmm. Because there was that level of expectation that the district was putting on me to start turning the school around, you know? And so I had to bring those teachers because it, it's just like when you, I, I don't know your teaching experience, but when you're a teacher, you know, your students will rise to the level of yep. expectation that you have for them. And it's, it was the same thing with the staff, you know, like this was my expectation and I couldn't waver until they rose mm-hmm. to that. Once they rose mm-hmm. to that, I, I always tell them like, hey, we're working in ambiguity but we have proved all last year that there's nothing we can't do together. That, that you know, quotable right there. Yeah, don't. It is. You can't waver your expectation until you meet that expectation. That's right, you know, and then so this year, they get to see the fun bias, you yep. know. They, they got to see me dance. They got to see me tell <laughs> jokes. I, I play games with them, you know, and, and we do things that they get to see a little bit more of my personality. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, okay, she's not that bad, but you have to set that expectation. And so um, we have a, a, a teacher here who's been, gosh, she's been a teacher 36 years at the mm-hmm. school. And like she she's she was she got me from the beginning she's like oh she's doing to us what she did what we do to our students we start tough and then we get nice throughout the school year you know and and it is and it was I'm not gonna say it wasn't hard for some people some people who couldn't handle the expectation moved on Mm -hmm. you know and the people who liked the structure and who liked the consistency and who liked the communication they stayed and they joined, yes. right? And so our theme for this year is strong together because we are. Mm-hmm. And we've proved it all year long. We proved yeah. that every time we come together, we we beat, we don't meet the challenge, we exceed it. So yeah. I'm really proud of our school. I'll, as you should be, as you should be. It sounds like, it sounds like a wonderful school that you've got at Pepper Hill. 
Um, I, yeah, that, I mean, that's just good. Talk, talk to me about, so returning to school, getting back to class and, and you know, big topic we have on the dash is, is on SEL. So when students come back to school, thinking about what you've done, great work with your parents, with your um, teachers, with your community, what's it gonna look like for students when they come back? You mentioned you have the second step curriculum. How does SEL fit into your day, into your back to school plans? We thought a lot about that. Um, our school date is um, what they did is so we use the second steps program. And so what the work that they did is they understand I, I, I don't want to use the word trauma, but that's that seems to be the key word nowadays. Um, but a lot of our families have gone through a lot, yeah. you know, um, losing jobs, losing family members, homelessness. Um, a lot of things that you can't imagine that, you know, we, we, we don't know, even when we talk to the parents, they don't share with us. So they, they looked at the second steps curriculum and they really picked out the pieces that they thought would assist with helping students cope mm -hmm. with the things that were going on. And not only COVID, you know, everything with George Floyd, Black Lives yeah. Matter, the racial tensions, you know, in Charleston, South Carolina, yep. you know, there, there's a lot of racial tensions here. And so those are things that we can't sweep under the rug. So the district has been very proactive. Mm -hmm. They're doing cultural competency training for all the staff members in the school district. The principals already took it. They're going to roll it out to the schools. And then for the kids, they, they created and aligned the units. So when we come mm -hmm. back, we start teaching the lessons that really help address those issues that the kids have experienced during this time. Wow. Okay. So your, so your SEL, like as far as the explicit instruction is rolled out from a district level. So that, that's a tremendous support from the district. So is that district wide? That will be it is district wide. Yes. Okay. You know, some campuses do it better than others, you know, and some teachers teach it better than others because that's, that's one more thing in addition to reading, writing and arithmetic that they have to teach. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the message has been is that we do have to take the time to address that right. because we know from Maslow that if the safety and the basic needs aren't met, kids aren't going to learn. Exactly. So as educators, we have to take a moment and say, we know we've missed on six months of academics, but we got to make sure that the kids are emotionally okay. So mm -hmm. then we can start building back the academics. Mm -hmm. Is um, So will this be your first year with the Second Step program? No, the, the school has been doing it for a couple of years. Okay, okay. Yes. Have you Talk to me a little bit about the, I haven't seen the Second Step program. I, I use it some, I've seen a lot of evidence-based programs and um, the CASEL model. I am really interested in Second Step. And I mentioned before we jumped on, that they're, they're coming out with an adult SEL program in 2021 sometime. So just, just a little insight to the curriculum or how you guys are doing it. Is it a, you have a set block for SEL implementation? We do. So we have something called morning meeting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in your setting, it would be homeroom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, we have a morning meeting where on Mondays, the teacher will uh, introduce a lesson and then throughout the week, they do activities that support that lesson. Gotcha. Um, so we have that structure in the program, you know, has everything that you need. It has uh, online components, videos. They do mm -hmm. a lot of stuff through games. 
Okay. You know, to teach games. So it's as engaging for the students. It's not yeah. just lecturing. And then we've also bought books by Julia Cook, who does a lot of social stories mm. and a lot of behavior type books okay. um, to supplement that and to do some extra things that we do with PBIS. Okay. Okay. I love it. That That's good. That's a solid, that's a solid foundational SEL skills that you've got there. Does that trickle up to adults as well? I know you mentioned the cultural competency part of training that's going out to all staff members. Is there is there time in your schedule or in your, your trainings too that is focused on building the adults SEL skills? Um, I don't think at the level that we would like it mm-hmm. to be. You know, I know at our campus, we, we've been working a lot on, and, and this is something that I've had to work on too, uh, around self-care. Yeah. You yeah. know, usually personalities like me, we're kind of type A and we're very task oriented and we just mm-hmm. go, go, go. And sometimes we don't really realize how, we, how we're managing our stress. And so the word self-care you know, it's taking, it used to sound, it used to be selfish, right? And now everybody's saying, no, it's like, this is something that's necessary for our well-being just as a human and as a person, you know? And so we have a Pepper Hill Facebook page that's just for the teachers. And, you know, we celebrate birthdays on there. Mm -hmm. We put videos, we put ideas for self-care and we're constantly encouraging each other. Um, even, Even in my interview protocol, I've put in, you know, how do you manage stress? What kind of things do you do for self-care? Mm, I love because that. we want to, we want the teachers to know that we understand our jobs are very stressful, you know, and we want to know that the, the person has skill set or if it's an area we need to help them with yeah. when it comes to being stressed out, if they don't have avenues to release that stress, we can help them with that. Right, right. And, and well, and I'll say too, you know, given from our conversation today, so so perhaps you don't have a explicit SE, adult SEL curriculum, but what you did over this summer, calling those teachers, checking in with them, I mean that that's probably that that's the same value that you can get out of a curriculum, and those are those practices for for adult SEL and self care, just bringing that awareness, those relationship skills, that self management piece of it. I'm I'm really a fan of that. You know, I, I've recognized part of part of my intrigue to education was I felt like I was given an ability to communicate between generations. So what the what the kids say and, and think I really can understand and translate to the adults. And what they say I can give back to the kids. So bridging that gap has been the solution that I've been trying to solve. And I, I feel like the gap, what I recognize myself or personally at least is that it's it's about developing the teachers their skill building, their self-care. So you can eliminate or at least identify your own baggage, bias, or blind spots so you're not bringing that into the classroom with you. So I'm I'm just a big advocate for adult SEL, and I'm so glad that SEL is making such a strong comeback. Um, Not, I shouldn't say a comeback, but making, it's on the rise as we speak. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think, you know, for a long time, you know, we were so into, the RTI model and trying to fix students and what was wrong with them and point fingers and we didn't take the time to really develop our teachers you know so something that you know we're big here on at Pepper Hill 
um, any professional development that teachers want to do, they get they get to do it. You know, we find mm -hmm. funds, we cover classes, you know, anything that they want to do to learn and grow. And then also we try to find what they're really good at to to help them, you know. Yeah. So like I have this one teacher who throughout the we just found out she was excellent with technology, mm. you know. And so we started asking her to do things with that. And she's completely come out of her shell. You know, she kind of found her avenue. Wow. Now she's a big player on campus. She helps everybody. <laughs> and she used to be very shy and quiet, yeah. you know. So it, it's so important. I never realized as a teacher, you know, that pe the professional development I got as a teacher was always around a curriculum. Yeah right? Learn how to teach this phonics program, learn how to do this, learn how to do that. And now professional development is, is different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about cultural bias. It's about social emotional learning. Yeah. It's about finding your strengths as a person. Um, so yeah. it's exciting times in that sense. Absolutely. Putting the person first, the, the person comes yes. first. Before I'm a teacher, I'm a person. Before I'm, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, I'm a person. I, I love that so much. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, Dr. Baez. <laughs> I do have just a one or two maybe final questions. What have you okay. learned about yourself during this process through through quarantine? You can take it back farther than that if you'd like to, because we, we've kind of been talking about how you've grown through your experience in facilities. But what have you learned about yourself this year and going through this process? Um that I'm more patient than I thought I was. All right, now. Um, I, I've learned that. Um, and then I've learned that I have more, I don't know if I would say I have more skill sets, but I, I think I've learned what my keen skill set is. Mm. You know, before, you know, in the different roles that I've had in the 18 years, you know, I've always been able to do the job. Yeah. You know, but I never really realized what what made me different. What was the skill set that I had that made me different than somebody else? Wow. And the last two years, I've really learned what that is. Okay. Okay. And and so that that would be our last question in there, kind of going back to what it was earlier. I wanted to ask, what are you the best at? And you mentioned logistics, but I want to give you a moment to expand on that or, or talk about those skills, that skill set that helps you stand out. Because you, you clearly stand out from this conversation in my perspective. You know, um, I think what I'm good at, someone told me, uh, I, I have a, fr a dear friend that I worked at at a middle school and she's a dynamic woman, amazing ideas. She'd come up with like, oh, we're going to do this and this and that. But then she didn't know how to put it into action. Hmm. So for some reason, we kind of opposites attract sometimes yeah. and she and I kind of gravitated towards each other. And so um, operationalizing things is mm -hmm. what I'm really good at, um, whether it's in my house <laughs> doing laundry or, you know, um, at the school. If someone has an idea, for some reason, my brain works in a way that I can see, okay, this comes first, second, hmm. third, fourth, fifth. This is what we need to do. Yeah. And I didn't know that about myself. I just thought, okay, this is just how you do things. You know, <laughs> I didn't know that that was a skill set. I didn't know that not everyone had that. 
you know? Okay. So as a young teacher, I would get frustrated when people would say something. I'm like, well, you just use this, this, and this, you know? And I just didn't know that until, you know, I've been in different roles and people have pointed yeah. out to me like, hey, you're really good at this. Will you help me put this down on paper? Yeah. Um, I didn't know that about myself. Right, right. That's that's pretty cool. And that's a phenomenal trait to have. I'm starting to realize that I don't have that trait. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a big picture type of person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I need I need, a, I need help with the details. So I, I have a lot of my own processes, personal processes. I have, you know, morning routine. I have 90 day journals that I use the best self that, that help me every day. What are your goals? What are you grateful for at the end of the day? What what were your wins? What if I don't, I'm I'm just gonna get lost in it. So I need structures and that's something i've learned about myself this year is i need structures to help keep me accountable and even this year i've joined um i started a a, a black mastermind with some of my close friends and we just meet once a month to to talk about what we're going through our successes and obstacles there's an edupreneur mastermind that i'm a Ooh. part of and, and i think that uh, there's one more just men with vision but those are three things that just kind of keep me inspired here. Other people talk about their goals and, and keep me going to that next step. Cause I feel like once you reach a milestone, there's a tendency to get relaxed or keep doing the same things. But once you reach that level, now you start over. Now you start from scratch and you, you build up those processes again. So I'm at a, I'm at a place where I feel like I've leveled up gratefully, but now I have to build the systems that help me scale that level to the next level again and help my cups fill over one more time. So I'm, yeah. I'm, this this episode or this conversation was was very inspiring for me. I, I really love your your energy and um, what you're doing with your school. So I, I feel like I can, you know, keep on growing and again, that confirmation of those procedures, those systems, that, that can help you scale and do things when you're not there. I think that's a that's a true mark of a leader when you are able to leave something better than you found it. Yes, and sustain it. And sustain it. And sustain it um, because it, it truly is. You know, a I'm sitting in the seat right now, but let's say in two three years I'm not sitting here. I'm I hope that the things we put in place just works so well for this school that the teachers keep it going. And that's that's a true testament to a legacy, but also to a school culture. Yeah. You know, so I do a lot of I do a lot of self-study um, around business. Okay. Different business models. I do a lot of Dave Ramsey's entree leadership hmm. um, podcasts. And so I, I don't study education as much as hmm. I used to before because I feel like it's kind of plateaued. So I like, I like to take business practices yeah. that I think are really cool. And I'm like, okay, how can I operationalize that to work for a school? Mm. Mm. Yeah. You I, know, uh, and sometimes that gets me in trouble. I'm not going to lie. But that's okay. <laughs> that, that's what you got to take the risk to get the reward, right? <laughs> yeah. That sometimes gets me in trouble. So I'll give you a very quick example. So like I was, reading some journals about how some academia and then some businesses are also studying love languages mm, yep. to help their work culture. Wow. And so I, I started really, you know, I, I read that the book, sense. I did the mm -hmm. quiz, you know, I did all of that. And then I started thinking, I'm like, let me tell you what, 
So, you know, as a principal, we're told, okay, you need to write positive notes to your teachers of the things that they're doing well, you know? So, yeah, and so this is really funny. You're going to laugh. I have, I have this checklist of all of my staff members' names, right? And I would write down, you can see teacher check-in, quarter one. Okay. I would put the dates. Wow of when I did everything. And then um, I also do it for notes to make sure that I was giving everybody a positive note. And I wasn't seeing the return that I thought I was going to get, right? So mm. I needed to see a return on my investment. You know, I'm investing time at home, you know, for my family and my duties at home to write notes to make sure that the teachers, you know, I'm, they, they, they know that I'm seeing positive things. And I wasn't seeing a, a return on it. So then I started listening to these things and I'm like, you know what? I may not be communicating in their love language. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm like, and that kind of just blew my mind because I'm not. So for me, I know or what feels my bucket is service, right? So mm -hmm. if I say, Trey, mm. you know, gosh, that lawn is so high, you know, and you go and you mow it. You know, that means the world to me, you yeah. know, but some people aren't service. Some people are quality time. Some people are words of affirmation. Some people are gifts, you know? So if I bring you a candy bar and say you did a really good job, but your love language is <laughs> quality time, you're going to be like, I don't need this candy bar, Yeah. you know? So as I start learning my teachers, you know, I'm kind of observing and asking them so that I know how to fill their bucket so they feel supported. Mm -hmm. because the notes weren't working for me that's that's a great point there's there's a there's a tool i use in well let me go back and say again the attention to detail and how you're solving these problems for your school community i think is amazing and there's it reminds me of a tool so a lot of times the training i did today was around this communication tool i use disc and it's about your communication styles and so we always learned the golden rule growing up of treat people the way you want to be treated, but it flips that a little bit to the platinum rule, treat people the way that they want to be treated. And so it helps teachers understand one, your own communication style. What are your preferences, your motivations, your wants and your needs, but then you can flip it to two questions that you can ask your students for any other relationship and understand the best ways that you can communicate with them or how you may need yes. to modify and adjust your communication style to to meet the needs of the folks that you're with. So I, I think that's a really good idea. And I might steal the love language. <laughs> you can, you can. And it, and it was funny. Um, some of the people who they, they wanted to take the quiz, they said, oh, I talked to my wife or I talked to my husband and they said it was dead on, you know? <laughs> so um, hopefully it helps some of those relationships yeah. as well. Um, but that's, that's like the thing that I was telling you. I like to take things that aren't in education mm -hmm. and apply them. And sometimes I get to me in trouble, but sometimes I think it's worth it because you learn and you grow from it, yeah. you know, and yeah. it only made the, it only made the campus stronger. Yeah. It, and I just think that's interesting. Everything that you're saying, I feel like I, I can relate to in, in another way. So for myself, I didn't, I wasn't an education major or I didn't study education. I kind of just got into it and was doing the opposite. So I was looking up self-help business things when I got started. And I was like, okay, Trey, you probably need to transition a little more. So I'm, I'm not a big pedagogy guy. 
personally. I, I'm on the behavior side and I'm well researched on SEL and those pieces, but, but starting to get into less business and more education um, on my end. So, so, you know, same, same philosophy, just different phases in it. So I, yes. yeah, I, I appreciate that so much. Is there any, um, is there any final words or takeaways that you've got for folks that are listening? There's so many nuggets and in, in gems in this already. Um, I mean, I think if you are, you know, first of all, you don't have to be a principal to be a leader. Um, that's, that's one important thing. And that's something that I even include in my interview protocol is what kind of leadership opportunities are you interested Mm. if you join our campus? Um, so that's number one. And number two would be is don't be afraid to take risks, you know? So, you know, sometimes teachers will be afraid to, to try something or to do something. And they're like, is this okay? Is this okay? And so I'm still trying to work on fostering that confidence that, Hey, you can have a lesson. And if it fails, guess what? You learned from it, fix it tomorrow. You know, um, those, those are my two biggest takeaway you you anyone can be a leader everyone has a strength and don't be afraid to fail and the last one is you got to learn to work in ambiguity Mm. and I know that's very very hard for people and I it's I think it's easy for me we've talked about it as a staff I was raised by a single mom so you know that dynamic right there it's just very different than, you know, someone who grew up middle class mm-hmm. with a two parent home. So for me, ambiguity or the unknown doesn't scare me. That's it doesn't reality. shake me. It doesn't waver me, but it does a lot of people. And so everything is just going to keep on changing. And so we have to start learning to cope and learning how we deal and stay positive yeah. through unknown times. And that's hard. And maybe that's where you come in with your SEL is what strategies can you give people to learn to deal with the unknown? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. Focus on what you can control. I, I don't remember, right. who said it, but when you know, in a form, when you know, in a, a formula, the equation doesn't matter. And that's what I've been telling teachers too. don't worry about the schedule. Don't worry about live or virtual focus on what you control. Are you ready to teach? regardless of the medium are you ready so um i love that very much and thanks for turning it back to um sel and our work so that that way it makes it easier for us to go ahead and close out the episode by letting you know that sel educators is up right now and there's four courses um discover your potential is focused on setting 90-day goals for you as a person first what's growing in your garden is focused on how you can develop your own teacher mastermind and surround yourself with quality people who can help you out. There's an adult SEL self-assessment to understand a little bit about your SEL strengths, opportunities for growth. And lastly, there's three restorative SEL practices to use in your classroom. So there's a variety of courses, a variety of content. We'll be rolling out courses the rest of the year, rest of 2020, and sign up, it's free. There's no strings attached to it. Um, There will be some some paid courses that will come along, but when, when that comes, it'll be clearly marked The price will be clearly marked and those free courses aren't going anywhere. So go to seleducators.com to sign up and that'll be good. Uh, Miss Dr. Baez, I think we forgot your social media in any links. Is there any social media links if you care to be found? Um, 
I don't really have much social media, honestly. I, I manage our school Facebook, so you can okay. find me through that. So um, Pepper Hill Elementary Facebook, I manage it. So my profile is just my name, Jennifer Bias. I'm on LinkedIn, and that's about it. Okay. I try to stay away from social media. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you. I definitely understand that. Well, I, I'm so thankful for your time and uh, grateful for the opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you. I, I appreciate the invitation and I, I'm very excited about the work that you're doing and I love to see where there's some avenues where, where we can cross over and learn from each other so that's very exciting yes yes indeed I, I agree for sure and so thank you all for listening as well this is the dash podcast with Dr. Jennifer Baez excellent conversation so if you like this share it with your friends and I hope that you enjoy and come back next time this is the dash